it out. Chant it out. Hello and welcome to episode 65 of Shoulder to Shoulder Podcast. Telling stories from an isolated LAFC community week by week, fan by fan, supporters group by supporters group. Chris Christian and I are happy to be digitally joined finally by TSG, the Tigers supporters group. Repping today, we have OG Sam Slim Cota, president, and Christian Ortiz, the community service chair. Thank you, gentlemen, for digitally joining us. Bro, 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 bro. Ah. <laughs> Cheers, y'all. Appreciate you having us on. Hey, yeah, thanks for coming on, guys. We sincerely appreciate having you guys. We have been trying to get representation from every single one of the supporters group out there in the North End and throughout the bank. If your supporters group has not been represented yet on an episode, you can reach out to us on any of your social media platforms at LAFCS2S. We'd love to get you guys in studio, whether it be digitally or once we can finally go back to being in the friendly confines of Shoulder to Shoulder Studio. We'd love to have you. But today we would love to hear the story of the Tigers Supporters Group. So, gentlemen, thank you so much for carving out some time out of your week to come and join us here. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you guys for having us. Man. Looking you. forward to it. Long time listener. You know, blessed to be part of the pod fam. Thanks for having us. Yeah, you might recognize the voice, of course, of Slim, who joins us from the FCFC pod and occasional appearances on Season Pass as well, too, from our recent Super Pod. And obviously, anyone listening to this show is listening to all those pods as well, too. So a familiar voice here in-house. But, boys, before we get down the story of the two of you gentlemen and the story of Tiger's supporters group, let's go ahead and run down what's been going on in the community at the moment. We have so many things that have been on LAFC's plate as far as what the team has put out throughout the past couple weeks. And then a huge event coming up this weekend. So what's been keeping your guys' mind off the craziness in the LAFC world? I've been watching, you know, all the supporters groups playing each other in uh, COD right now. Just going around trash talking in Twitch. We have some community things go that, that we're doing as TSG, um, and I'm sure Christian will get into that later. But some of our guys are doing the whole Rocket League thing. We're still just, you know, kind of just bunkering down, wait, waiting it out a bit. But uh, we're still, it's it's dope. Because the, the community still is as active as ever. If you're in any of those chats and whatnot, it's we're still moving and doing things to keep us all engaged and be part of the community. Mr. Ortiz, how you been getting through COVID? Well, it's been busy uh, with work and then also with schools closing. My six-year-old now, uh, he's having to get homeschooled now. And since my wife is super busy with work, she's working East Coast hours, we're kind of tag teaming to take care of all the educational part and then still managing work. And then uh, I also, with my brother and I, we take care of our folks. So it's been really busy times. And of course, uh, getting involved with the community and, and uh, with all of my LAFC staff. So it's been, uh, it's actually been pretty busy times. So how about you, Chris, Christian, how about you guys? How have you uh, holding out these last couple of weeks? It's been super busy in terms of it's work, dude. I've been working a lot. I think I'm working more since it started just because I have access to get to my home office with like a 30 second commute and I log on earlier and log off later. So um, it's unfortunate. I know like a lot of clients need a lot of help right now navigating this stuff uh, from a business perspective, but also just personally trying to get the home ready for, for the new baby. So that that's just keeping me busy. And I'm enjoying it, but at the same time, I wish I would be I'd be able to share it with with people, right? Coming over and sharing those moments. But 
no, it's a wait and see situation. Uh, I'm looking forward to once this is all kind of resolved. Yeah, you know, I just being Mr. Mom, man, my, my wife is working a lot. And so Gabriel's in school and just I'm his full time TK teacher. And because I'm I'm off of work right now with the shoulder surgery recovery. And so I'm just doing a lot of physical therapy. I've been riding my bike a lot, been hitting like 30 miles every other day on my bike. So that's cool. Wow, that's that's impressive. 30 <laughs> miles every other day. That's like you and you and uh, the boys from Defenders over there. I keep constantly seeing Christian and his wife there, uh, you know, posting. Oh yeah, well, you know, I ran for eight miles and then I rode a bike for forty miles. And I don't know. Some people are going to be coming out of this quarantine like absolutely jacked. I just see it. I actually just spoke to Christian. Uh, we were talking about going on a bike ride tomorrow in Burbank. So I think that the biking community might start uh, getting a little bigger too. So that's uh, something maybe to keep an eye out for. Is there uh, like the feet. LAFC running club? Is there a cycling club already? No, but that might be something that comes out of this. I have no idea if it's big enough, right? Yeah, next thing you know, there's going to be those like 3252 unitards that are all aerodynamic, oh, you know? No. <laughs> Bro, <laughs> I would. You don't need to see anyone in the North End wearing that. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I'm just you'd only imagining see him, like. You'd, you'd only see them for the brief second that they go by you on the bike. Yeah, I'm just imagining like me and Ray standing next to each other and biking <laughs> up. It's, it's just, that would be terrible. <laughs> Oh, are you kidding? There's a calendar in the making right now. It was a fundraising idea for the community. Oh, it's just all Ray and Julio? <laughs> <laughs> just nothing but 3252 members in unitards. I think, you know, we oh, can make it happen. Man. Hey, well, one of the things I've been doing is I, I told my wife I'm going to lose as much weight as she gains because I know a lot of people are gaining weight from being home. So I've lost 10 pounds. That's that's one of the things that I, I've made myself kind of do. So I've just hopefully she doesn't get too big because then i think it's gonna be tough bro you were already small to begin with what are you talking about, what about i don't you, know John? man oh man work has just been insanely busy we cannot seem to keep up with the growth in business it keeps getting bigger and bigger for us so that's great in one hand because sales are through the roof and you love that sort of thing i mean the business is uh, insanely busy in store and you know online orders curbside pickups deliveries all that stuff is just insanely busy at the moment, but I mean, it's long days, lots of hours, you know, massive deliveries. I mean, if, if people have, you know, asked me to kind of put this in perspective for them who are not in the liquor business. So on Wednesday of this week, you know, just a regular old Wednesday in the middle of this COVID, I got almost a thousand cases in as a delivery. You know, that's over 10,000 bottles delivered and put away on one day. And that, that to me is, you know, that's an example of what COVID is for us in, in the booze world. Uh, you know, 10,000 bottle deliveries uh, on a day, just to, you know, Wednesday. The people awesome. are drinking and smoking, straight West Coasting. Yeah, I'm, that's <laughs> that's the reality of what I'm living in at the moment, for sure. And it's, um, you know, it's it's all demographics, it's all products, it's everything. It's really quite an insanely busy time for me but lafc has been keeping us busy as well too there's been a ton of different events on the calendar that we've seen throughout the course of the past couple weeks just to run through a few of course we've had a ton of different episodes come out from everyone in the pod fam 
especially the club pod fam as well too but we've had deep dives turbo trivia center circle on the sticks lafc and 30s black and gold rewinds we've had top of the list ask a physician we've had max with his max live and staying at home we've had all the lafc play events plus what's been going on in the supporter community with all the various video game challenges and things like that i think d9 and lao might be going at it as we speak uh, call of duty yeah hey have you guys been paying attention to any of that content and what of it has been your favorite so far? Yeah, I, I like the deep dives with Mac. I've been I've been uh you know checking those out, you know, the nights where Marcus, Rich, and Pat do their 30-minute segments, loving that. It's kind of the vision that we had when we started uh FCFC was just I fell in love with LAFC before we had a coach before we had a player before we had anything i fell in love with the community and the people and i wanted to talk about them and how they are you know a part of this fabric of los angeles that that makes this huge quilt of the 3252 in lafc and it's it's dope that you know the the club is in the same in the same way that I, in the same thought i had we they probably we've already been doing this we didn't we started gathering supporters and whatnot before we had anything so this is just kind of you know back to square one for us and it's it's nothing new so it's dope to see that instead of being complacent and stagnant and who we are and you know and all the things we've done in the past two years we we took it back to square one and we're reaching the community and we're you know not touching hands because we're not allowed to but we're, we're touching screens over here so those have all been dope the 30s that uh, max has been doing max and vince uh, they're also, I believe, they they just started their top five stuff this right. this week. So I think that that was really dope because you know, just in media in general, nothing sells better than sex and nostalgia, right? Speaking of Vince, you guys had a great little FCFC crossover with Vince in his playlist. I loved that man. That was one of you know, being a rocker. That was one of my favorite of the musical pieces that has come out of the LAFC community throughout the course of this. Yeah, man. Um, I I think it's it was dope. We just kind of started putting together playlists, and and you know, it's another stage in getting to know the supporters. Like, what kind of music and back, you know, you could tell a lot about someone from the music they listen to. So, just kind of digging deeper into the stories of the community that we love. Yeah, as as far as me, I think the the deep dives have definitely been paying attention to a lot of that, catching up on some of the podcasts, and it's interesting to like to look back and just kind of get on a more personal level and just hear different perspectives from different supporters. And, I, you know, the, I watched a lot of the ones from Mark. And then also other content that I've been following have been, uh, you know, once the kids are to sleep, once I'm done with work, I've been, you know, getting on on Twitch and seeing which supporter groups are going at it on some Call of Duty and other uh, and Rocket League also. So that's been pretty interesting. It's interesting how in the beginning of the season, we were all planning this really heavy calendar with not only the league, but then you had the CONCACAF Champions League. And there were so many things that were starting to get put to the side. Like I wasn't able to listen to as many podcasts as I used to because I'm thinking, OK, now I got to plan my calendar because I got to get certain things done in order for me to be able to make it to these games. And now that just kind of just flipped over and we couldn't, uh, now we don't have that heavy calendar anymore. And I was expecting one of the busiest seasons. And now it, it's good to see other content and just kind of uh, listen to other people's stories. So that's 
I, I guess I could say that during this time, it's listening to other people on podcasts, the deep dives, just interacting with other supporters, and it's been pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to uh, this weekend, actually. I mean, obviously listening to uh, Max and you know him doing his interviews, and also, I mean, just all the interview stuff, right? That's pretty much what we are. So, of course, I'm going to be interested when other people do interviews with people that I may not necessarily know their story. So also the, the Marcus the Pat and, and Rich interviews are all great. But this weekend, David Delholm has his faux, I'm not even going to call it what he called it, but it's he because this weekend was we were supposed to play the Galaxy. So he pretty much yeah. did a 90-minute rendition of a match in his head and how it played out, and it's going to be played somewhere on LAFC's website. And so uh, it's the faux T-word, right? And we just had a whole conversation today, actually, in the group <laughs> chat about how we should call it anything but the T word, uh, you know, so uh, what are your guys favorite terms for the Carson galaxy versus LAFC games? I like the one ten Derby because I know that that's probably one of the biggest things is telling them that they aren't in LA, right? They call themselves the LA galaxy. They're in Carson. That's they're not in the city of Los Angeles. So I feel like calling it the one ten Derby is a, I mean, but that's, that's what we would like. I don't know if they would like that, right? But honestly, I would rather call it anything but what it's being called right now, dude. That that, that, <laughs> that nails on a chalkboard, right? Terrible. Yeah. I like one ten Darby as well, too. I'm fine with that. I think that's uh, an accurate descriptor as well. What about you, boys? One ten Darby way better than what they're currently trying to push. I I'm definitely against that. But like you said, I, I think anything that we choose, who knows that they're gonna want to run with it as well. So. We have to find a way, find something that's actually going to work for both sides. Yeah, because as of right now, unfortunately, I do have some friends that are Galaxy fans. So, and I know that they hate it too. So it's you know, maybe that's the only way it'll work is if it's a name that we both hate. <laughs> I said I, we should put up a two stick or a tifo or something that catches the attention to like say this is not El Tráfico. This is. You know, and whatever, whatever else we want to call it, right? But it's yeah. the national media. Like once they got a hold of it, they're the ones that started pushing it. Because I, I feel like not many people here say it, honestly. But in order for this rivalry to get that kind of recognition nationally, which it also has had matches that you know needed that, and also foretold that this was going to be something bigger than that. Like now, that's stuck. And that's unfortunate. So it's going to be a matter of like a few years of both sides putting a bunch of banners up yeah. some sort of maybe like i don't know freeway sign as like a cup for the year of winning the, the two year like the two matches excuse me so we'll see yeah that would i agree we would need to like coordinate with each other and i don't see that happening anytime but it's true that's true. <laughs> true i liked i really but, liked uh, the idea of the golden state cup obviously you know that it involves san jose as well too similar to the cascadia cup where yeah. it's a, a three-team rivalry Sacramento's i like that too yeah, exactly. It becomes a four-team rivalry. Uh, and obviously that sort of dilutes the waters a little bit from being the across-another-town rival that we have with Galaxy. So, uh, But I still think a Golden State Cup would be a cool thing to bring in in the future. But, you know, some some new term, somebody who's smart at coming up with those fancy little turns of phrase needs to come up with something that isn't as cringeworthy as what we currently have. Yeah, you yeah. know, I, I had spoken to the guy, too, about the 110 cu- or the uh, Golden State Cup, and he was saying that it was actually some of the Galaxy supporters that he was having the hardest time getting them to be on board with the event. It wasn't the San Jose fans, and it wasn't the 3252. He said that it was 
you know, some of the supporter groups from uh, the Galaxy that were giving them the hard time. So it's like, I mean, but it, you know what? If, if they don't want to be a part of it, dude, we can get Sacramento, San Jose, and us, dude, and we'll do our own thing without them, if that's the case. Like, yeah, LA, just, LA and North. We'll just, we'll just be beating them <laughs> up every year. It's like, <laughs> it's like making your own trophy. But one other piece of content that I did want to shine light on was uh, the, the new pod that came out while we've been in quarantine, which is... Uh, Larry and uh and Jordan's podcast shooting the shot had great interviews. I mean, I can just imagine like Mexican media just being so annoyed at how much they got out of Carlos. Like, and they've been trying to just get a little bit of that story for the past ten years. It's like them and Bellhalter, like <laughs> two of the more compelling interviews with the yeah. pod that I didn't know so much about him, but in the past year he was transparent for two hours. It's so crazy. If you haven't listened to his episode of BSI, the podcast, definitely go check that out with Carlos Vela. That was a great episode. That show in general provides some really amazing MLS content. Even prior to COVID, you know, they were really giving us the player's perspective in a very candid way. Downright coming at certain organizations and players and things like that as well, too. Really great content. I'm a big fan of that show. I catch it every week for sure. But speaking of things that are coming up this weekend, real quick, we do have a very big event on the prospect for Sunday. That is, of course, the EMLS Championship Sunday Tournament Special. So LAFC have qualified for the final four, so to speak, in the EMLS Challenge. So we will be in the first match of the day, which begins on Fox Sports 1 at 3 p.m. on Sunday, where we will be taking on Sporting Kansas City. So we're going to be represented again by Adama Diomande and Remy Martin on the sticks. And we're going to be going against Sporting Kansas City, their player Juan Cousin, who is really good at FIFA. And then, of course, the 2018 FIFA E-World Cup finalist Alexander as well, too. So that's the matchup. The winner of that match will go on to face the Eastern Conference final, which is down to NYC FC and Atlanta United as those two face off in their end of the bracket. And hopefully LAFC can come out victorious and we can raise the E-Cup. What are we calling it? I don't know. But that's uh, this Sunday should be going down from 3 to 5 p.m. And I have to be honest, at the onset of COVID, the thought of watching other people play video games is, is typically not something that I'm very passionate about. But I'm really been getting into this whole EMLS thing just because we don't have anything else to go on. And I'm screaming and yelling at the TV and having a good time. So I'm looking forward to Sunday. And I'm curious to hear your guys' predictions for what you think we're going to see this weekend. Slim, you look pretty animated there, brother. What are you looking forward to? <laughs> I'm just laughing because, honestly, I was the same guy prior to this. I was like, why are people on Twitch? Why are you watching other people play video games? Like, play your own games. It's, you know, just like these cre creepy kids of this generation that watch other kids play with toys. I'm like, play with freaking toys. Like, what are you guys doing? But then I, I got into it because the MLS thing, then I kind of shifted over because like watching sports, it was just like, it just made me want to watch real sports unless it was a, you know, LAFC playing or something. So I started shifting over to just watching people shooting each other in the face on like COD and, and Apex Legends, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm sitting here watching these people, like, virtually shoot people, 
I'm such a loser, but it's so fun. And it's because there's no sports. It's like my only form of competition that I can watch. Do you find a special connection to Remy Martin being such a lover of cognac yourself? And Remy Martin, obviously, the famous cognac brand. You know, once he wins this, we're going to end COVID is over. I'm going to have to take Remy out for some cognac and uh, some Korean barbecue. But, you know, cognac's starting to get a little too sugary for me these days. And that's why I've kind of shifted over a little to tequila. Um, tequila yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, tequila the my only... boy george clooney <laughs> <laughs> tequila the only alcohol that is a stimulant not a depressant of course yep. um yep. i do think i do think perhaps brother i need to take you down the rabbit hole a little bit with some cognac and maybe bring you to some brands that are a little drier sure. like this uh this delicious snifter I got right here of some Adafusinye XO I have going in your honor, sir, which is a beautiful cognac, dry, not sweet. You'd love it. I definitely thought when you said snifter earlier, that was like just the way, like a fancy way of saying you were smelling your cognac. Um. <laughs> no, that's that's what you call this kind of glass that's got the okay. wide bowl and the real short stem. Uh, it's called a snifter. Look at that, Slim. You came here and you got yourself a little bit of an education. That's... Hey, that's what I expect from Jonathan every time, man. Bro, you want to go to booze school on cognac, man? I'll take you to booze school I on cognac. I just like getting man. drunk, man. I really don't even like alcohol. <laughs> Christian, do you have a preferred drink of choice? Actually, uh, I've been drinking a little mezcal lately. Oh, very nice. Uh, with the excuse that it's a probiotic, you know, <laughs> uh, it, is. Stop it. <laughs> it is. No, it is. I, you know, I went to Oaxaca last. Uh, for Day of the Dead last year, and every morning, people that are from Oaxaca, they drink a shot of mezcal in the morning before breakfast. Something I found out. It's 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 supposed to be good for you. So yeah, I I I, I second your your problematic comment. There you go. So I'm just staying here, you know, doing my part and you know enjoying some mezcal. And... My part. <laughs> More importantly, are you going to be following this Sunday the EMLS Championship Sunday? Absolutely. I mean. Aside from the Bundesliga game, I'm definitely going to tune in on that. I, I have to be honest and say I haven't been following the, the games prior to that. Uh, just been pretty busy, but I'm definitely going to tune in. You know, and I'm a big FIFA. Uh, not I like to think that I'm better than I'm what I really am, but I enjoy playing FIFA and definitely like watching some really good players out there. So I can appreciate when when I see certain moves being performed, and uh, and I definitely want to check it out. And hopefully, we come out on top. Christian's more friendly than I am. When I see them doing moves, I'm like, oh, if I was playing against you, I would sock you in the face right now. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible at video games. So, I mean, I've attempted to play FIFA in the past. And, you know, even even so bold as to go online and like four-year-old kids who had language abilities I did not know four-year-olds had nowadays uh, were just absolutely schooling me out there. And so I gave up on that real quick. <laughs> yeah, these uh, kids online are nasty. <laughs> yeah. Remy had played this guy from SKC, uh, I think a week or two ago for a charity event. So I wonder, you know, if uh, I'm sure that they both probably held back a little bit because they didn't want to show their their full hand. Right. Yeah, we did raise some good money for charity, but I watched those matches and both players appeared as though they were being very cautious, very defensive. Neither one wanted to risk a lot or show off a lot of their tricks. Uh, so we'll see. I'm excited for it. That's for sure. Obviously, it's not just up to the hands of the talented Remy Martin. It's up to Dio as well, too. So if you're not familiar with the format, 
It's an aggregate score of a match player v player as far as the actual MLS players and then player v player for the EMLS players as well, too. So you have two professional soccer players that will go at it. And then the aggregate score combined with that and the two professional EMLS players. And then the winner of that will go on to face the winner of NYC FC versus Atlanta United. So hopefully Remy and Dio. I know it's I'm I'm actually very excited about it far more than I thought I would be at the onset of all this. Yeah, and Dio got hands. He's he's pretty cocky about his FIFA skills. Yeah. He's definitely got his celebrations down, especially when he's scoring with himself and his little <laughs> stir the pot. So I love it. I love it. I can't wait. I love how Dio for a man who's so humble and pious on one side of him. The other side of him has this, you know, bravado and sort of in-your-face attitude to him. It's a really cool dichotomy. I don't think you could be a good striker without that. Like, there's not many, like, great strikers where I'm like, yeah, that guy seems like he'd be a fun time to hang out with at a bar. (laughs) The good ones again. So sometimes that's just a strategy. You know, sometimes you got to celebrate, score that goal, kind of get in their head, and, uh, you know, then they might... You know, make a couple more mistakes down the road. So, yeah, it's all part of the strategy. Well, hopefully, we come into next week's show victorious. Looking forward to that. But that's about it for as far as what's going on in the community at the moment. A ton of content being sent our way from the team. We got a bunch of stuff going on in the community as well, too, from a community service standpoint that I want to dive into a little bit later when we get into exactly how TSG is involved within the community itself. I know you guys have a lot of specific events. I know there's uh, some aid for farm workers that's being put together for Saturday as well, too. I know a number of the supporters groups and a number of people in the LAFC community have been putting together gift bags and baskets and little care packages that have been brought around. I came home from works the other day and found that Global Diplomatic had left a nice package on my doorstep as well, too, for being an essential worker, which was really kind to them. So shouts to the people at Global Diplomatic who were the ones behind spearheading our charitable work at the orphanage down in Leon, and when our community needs it, they're here for us as well, too. So that was pretty cool. But with that being said, boys, I'd really like to dive into the story behind Tiger's supporter group, and more importantly, the two of you gentlemen who've been kind enough to join us today. So Sam, Christian, again, thank you guys for coming on the show. We really appreciate you guys being here. Really appreciate you taking some time to come and join us today and tell us a little bit about the Tiger story. But before we dive into that, perhaps you can tell us a little bit about your own personal journey within the beautiful game of football and how that led you to the club LAFC. So Christian Ortiz, why don't we start with you, sir? And you tell us a little bit about how you in your early years came to love the beautiful game. Well, I I think uh, it's started with following uh, the Mexican national team. I think as a kid, always, there was always some kind of event when there was a game going. And I think I started getting a little bit deeper into it around uh, Copa America, 93, I believe it was. During that time, I remember we were, you know, we were in the final. We were guests at the uh, the Copa America tournament. And, you know, we were getting really excited because uh, we made it all the way to the final. But of course, Batistuta, goes and scores uh, two goals with a brace and eliminate us. But that really left us with a good feeling that we were going to have a good performance in, in the 94 uh, World Cup. And um, and from there on, I think it was a combination of following the Mexican national team and also video games. Uh, I, a lot of my childhood friends, when we weren't watching, let's say, the Mexican national team, we would go and 
there was a pizza parlor down on, on Western and Beverly, and uh, they used to have a Neo Geo arcade, Super Sight, I think it's a, not Super Sidekicks, I think it was called Super Sidekicks on Neo Geo, and then we would play either FIFA or Pro Evolution or Inter International Superstar Soccer, and it, it was just kind of like if we weren't watching it, we were playing, and eventually it just started developing into later on, besides watching the World Cups and all the heartbreaks that we got, uh, all the Mexican fans probably will relate that every World Cup we're trying to get to that fifth game, and uh, we just can't manage to get there. And um, with a combination of that and just getting diving deeper and knowing players because access to international football was a little bit different back in the 90s. I know Fox Sports had some uh, some of the, uh, the rights to the Premier League and all that, but essentially we would start knowing some of these players through, you know, playing with different teams and just kind of, especially when they had a, access to the classic players and you would start diving deeper into, oh, who's Ruth Gulit, who's Bombastin, who are these people? And then you start doing a little bit of research and uh, knowing other people that knew a lot more about soccer and learning from them. I think it eventually it started just getting me more interested and more passionate. And, and that's how uh, that was kind of like the beginning stages of it. All right, well, Slim, I know we've heard your background a few times, be it on the FCFC pod, but for maybe those of our viewers out there who would like a PG version of your background story, maybe you could run us a little bit through some of a uh, uh, hat tip to you folks at FCFC. You would call your first football memories here. Well, part of it, probably my first football memory was my, first AYSO press. I had a soda before I had to go on the, the warm-up run, and I that was the first day I, I learned that uh, drinking soda before running gives you cramps. Um, <laughs> so there's my first football memory. But um, then there were, like, little bits of, like, you know, the World Cups that would come around the 94, 98. I remember watching matches here and there, but nothing really serious. And then 2002 came around, when it was in Korea and, um, you know, my parents made sure that that I woke up for every match. And yeah, that, that you know, they kind of the Korean fans kind of became famous during that that World Cup as well. And, and, you know, I wish that passion for football had stuck around in Korea more after that. Uh, but, you know, baseball still reigns king in Korea. And yeah, from the 2002 World Cup. I started following a little bit here and there. And then Chisung Park was at Manchester United. I was working with Ben Chi at a marketing firm. Uh, he was spending his lunch times watching, you know, Champions League matches or, you know, whenever, whenever Man U was on during those times, we would watch it. And uh, from there, it kind of reignited my love for football. You know, I was waking up four in the morning for all the matches. I wasn't going to the pubs because I was still lazy because I wanted to still sleep right after the match ended. And then LAFC came around. Yeah, that's that's a whole nother trajectory in itself. <laughs> you touched on a key subject there within the formation of the Tigers community, and that's Korea, Korean culture, and being a Korean-American here in Los Angeles, K-Town. So how was soccer present throughout the K-Town community, and how has it been invigorated by this formation of LAFC? To me, that's a very fascinating sort of side piece of this whole LAFC experience has been, you know, how big a deal it has been to the Korean community. I don't know if it, the, the watch parties in, in front of like the Radio Korea building and whatnot happened before 2002. 
but that's when I first started going. So it was, like I said, it was more of a World Cup thing. That's when the Korean fans came out to play. Whether it was, you know, the big screen in front of Radio Korea, I think for the semifinals for the 2002 World Cup when we played Turkey, a Korean community rented out the Staples Center to have a watch party there. So, you know, and I think it has the largest goal in, in the World Cup. So, yeah, 40 seconds into the match, that, that stadium was silenced. <laughs> but, uh, but from those watch parties, actually, Rich Orozco had uh, been to one of these watch parties. And when, you know, he all these supporters groups started forming, he felt that the Asian community and the Korean community needed representation in this footballing world, the footballing uh, supporter culture. So, you know, Ben Shi had started working for the club. He asked Ben if he knew any people that, you know, might be interested in starting a Korean supporters group. And um, Rich, myself, Sue, Deech, and one other person who's not with us anymore, uh, in the group anymore, uh, had dinner. And, you know, Rich did what he did. He sold me the dream, asked me if I wanted to be part of it, you know, did his did the whole hype man thing. And I thought about it for a little bit. And, you know, one thing led to another and building block on building block. And here we are now. Our obligatory Rich Orozco shout out for episode 65. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I just want to duly note, Rich does not sponsor this show. He does not pay us to mention him on every episode. It just happens but he naturally. He should. <laughs> However, Mr. Orozco, if you would like to sponsor the show, at LAFC S2S on all your social media platforms. Uh, We're still so looking for sponsors too, Rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get yeah. a twofer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, those folks at Louis Vuitton haven't reached back out to you guys, have they? No, no Louis, no, no Hennessy. I mean, I don't know what's going on with those guys. They're they're dropping the ball. Yeah, they're missing out. I mean, really, uh, we we know it's it's as far as them. So. Uh, obviously, you were a founding member then of Tiger Supporters Group, uh, and you've gone on to you currently serve as their president. Has that been your role the entire time, or yes? Christian, when did you get involved with LAFC? How did that come into your life, and how did you bridge the gap, become from an LAFC fan to a member of TSG? Well, uh, the reason I, when I heard about LAFC, was through one of my friends over at uh, the LA Chelsea Blues. I'm a Chelsea supporter, so I'm. I was also back then getting up at 4 a.m., going through a... Uh, oh, you know, it, I, I saw one of my friends post something about, uh, I think it was the Experience Center, when they were showing mock-ups of the stadium and, and things that uh, that were coming soon. I asked him about it, and he told me, hey, you know, yeah, it's for, for the new team. And right away, I was like, hey, let me, let me join you on the next one. And I went in there, got the tour... And I think it was Jeff was the uh, the one one of my my reps and put my deposit down right away. I knew that I was going to get involved and put my deposit down. Later on, I, I, I in the beginning of the stages of LAFC, I I was an independent supporter. I knew that I, I was I wanted to get involved. I knew that it was gonna if I was gonna join a supporter group, I knew I was gonna commit a lot of time into it. So in the first season, I think I I just. Uh, sat back and and you know just made relationships with all the different people that I didn't know and there was a lot of people that I actually really knew the supporter 
community somehow is like a small world. From my Chelsea friends, there's people throughout different supportive groups, people that I will run in different pubs because sometimes while you know, we'll go to uh, visit other, when we play other clubs, we will go and visit. So, but I, I think for me, uh, I joined uh, Tigers, I think it was uh, officially, right? It was uh, around the San Jose game, right? It was San Jose, uh, uh, believe it was the second season. And uh, for me, I, I grew up in K-Town. K-Town always has a very special place in my heart. So while you were living in K-Town, did you have any of the same soccer experiences within the Korean community that Sam was discussing here? As far as, you know, some of these World Cup events, did you notice that community galvanizing around soccer around the same time as well? Amongst the, because Koreatown is a very diverse place. So there was a lot of different groups that would make these barbecues, salas, and that's where we would go, whether it was uh, the Mexican national team or uh, there's also a lot of, cent there's a strong Central American presence in Salvadorians. Korea. And uh, yeah, and but Salvadorians, my, my wife is uh, a Salvadorian descent. She's also lived in Koreatown. So that environment for us, we would go to people's houses, but definitely in, in uh, 2002, uh, you would walk, there was a gym on Wilshire Boulevard in Serrano, right? where everybody would gather around the World Cup games and you see them on the big screen. And definitely during the 2002, you would see that that um, just the whole community actually come together and watch these games. So it was definitely that that World Cup was uh, was very special for for that part of town, for sure. Well, and talking about the unity between Korean fans and Mexican fans is is maybe a little bit a little bit harsh for us German national team fans over here, <laughs> um, you know. But uh, we'll let that go for a sec. Sam, you were saying? Uh, I was just saying, like that. I mean, one of the dopest things about what TSG has done, and you know, a lot of whether it be Mexican and Salvadorian or Koreans, it's we've been neighbors our whole lives. Like he said, he's lived in Koreatown forever. I I didn't never lived there, but I was always there. And people that have lived there, but it's still very separated. You have the Koreans over here, you have the, you know, the Latino community over here, but this was dope because I, you know, I always say like, we finally got to meet our neighbors and, and break bread with them. And, you know, it, it took something like football and LAFC for that to happen. I was going to comment in 2018 when there was the World Cup. So my area that I work for in Water and Power is West L.A. And mm -hmm. our my area in West L.A. carries all the, the farthest east we go is Koreatown. Mm -hmm. So I remember I was working nights when one of the one of the shifts and I and I went by uh, Beer Belly. And it was one of the, it was like one of the games that was going on with the World Cup, and it was crazy. It was packed. It was loud. It was, and I was like, "Yo, what?" I didn't realize that the that you know Koreatown had that kind of uh, you know a following, I guess, right? Because I was somebody that's been newer to the football community, uh, and I just thought it was great. And I stopped in and I said hi, and it was it was it was just a very welcoming atmosphere. You know, it was such a very cool, cool atmosphere. Oh, beer belly, man, that's a bummer. No, the 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 restaurant. Yeah, it's didn't it didn't they close it? Yeah, beer belly is uh is no more. He sold it. No. When did that yeah. happen? Uh, right. I feel like he shut it down, like in the off season. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. But I just know because, I didn't you know, get a last round of duck fries beforehand, and I was not happy about that. You can still get them in Long Beach. There you go. Each <laughs> yeah. location is still open. Yeah, I think it just ran its course, and uh, I think he might be looking for a bigger bar or something. But he's still killing it with Love Hour right now. So shout out Jimmy. Jimmy, as far as Koreatown goes, since we're talking about it, he's he's like the 
the godfather of craft brews to Koreatown. I mean, even, you know, obviously in the beer world, in the alcohol world, I mean, I knew of K-Town Beer Belly as like a destination spot for people within the craft beer community long before I ever knew of its affiliation to the world of football. So kind of describe, so after Rich takes you through that initial process and TSG sort of becomes a thing, what was the early part of those 3252 years like from a Tigers experience? Um, it was it was a learning experience. I mean, unlike, you know, some of the other groups like Black Army and D9, they came with the history. They came with, you know, a certain way they do things. And, you know, as far as Korean fandom, other than the World Cup, you don't really see Koreans going crazy about sports or, you know, just in general. Like, we, they all love sports. They love the Dodgers. They love the Lakers. But as far as being an active participant in it, we had never seen it. So I just kind of went in with, you know, open eyes and open ears, just kind of taking it in, um, you know, speaking with other leaders, uh, you know, Ray and Julio, Jimmy, Joseph, um, you know, the, the leaders of the Cuervos, Christian and Gil and um, Monty, Fern, Benny, all those guys, like they, they, they kind of help guide us. Cause you know, you come in, and you kind of think you have an understanding of it because you've been watching YouTube videos of supporters groups behind a goal, throwing flares and whatnot. But, um, yeah, it was really just coming in and wanting to learn and not coming in with preconceived thoughts about it um, and kind of just taking in that culture and then molding it into, you know, our version of it. Of You know, because like we said, it started off as a Korean supporters group very soon realized that, you know, this is a Koreatown supporters group and it's it's more inclusive and it's bigger than, you know, just the Korean people. It's about the Korean people breaking down barriers and, like I said, breaking bread with everyone instead of just, you know, just us. Because as Koreans in general, we were known as the hermit country. We're not known for being social and being out there. We were known for keeping to ourselves and just laying low. So this is just, you know, it's, it's me just... It's us in our group wanting to to break that norm and and you know show the fun side of Koreans. You know, I think after two shots. But I think for many other people, they get exposed to TSG for the first time through a very powerful social media presence that your SG has. And from day one, within the 3252's framework, as it came piece by piece together ideologically. Tigers carved out a very big portion of being some of the most vocal members behind some of the movements, so to speak, or at least ideas in which the 3252 chose to put itself behind. So whether this is some of the early work against the goal kick chant or some of the you know social justice campaigns that have taken place since then, TSG has been a very big force behind that. And you as president, I was curious what motivates you guys for that. And, you know, sort of where you guys come up with brainstorming these ideas and how you choose to execute. I think what the I mean, some of those things are more reactionary. It's it's really just, you know, us as a group being open to how people are feeling. You know, uh, probably the first that, that first campaign was probably the P chant. Uh, and then what came after that, probably our first, you know, real TSG type of online campaign was uh, the Rising Sun flag uh, from Portland, you know. I personally didn't see it, but I remember Josh and Sue had seen that during the match when they put it up after they scored against us. And, you know, from there, we that, that symbol brings a lot of, you know, historic pain and, and suffering. 
And we wanted to make sure that people understood that just because in, in the history books, you know, let's be honest, like we're not going to hear about all the horrible things Japan has done in history, in American history books because of what America has done to Japan, right? So that's kind of why people are a little more ignorant to, to how this, the swastika was flown side by side with the rising sun flag. And in Asian countries, the same thing that the Nazis were doing, Japan was doing in Asian countries. Right. So, and at the end of the day, it, it wasn't really, at first it started out of anger. Then you come to realize that if you want to call for change, then you have to create a safe space for change and not always be attacking. So yeah, it's, it's opening up the dialogue. It's, it's, you know, sharing your experience and your pain. And if, you know, hoping that that they are accepting of it and understanding of it. Um, and I mean, that's that's been a dope part of it is this football culture is is willing to learn. It's willing to communicate and and better, you know, not make the same mistakes that that these football leagues around the world that have been around for 100 years have a lot of history. But some of that history isn't the greatest history, you know. So we, we, we in the MLS, we're lucky we get a chance to kind of take all those things in. It's kind of how TSG was in the 3252. You know, we're, we're kind of the newer kids and we're creating a new culture and, and a new environment. And we can kind of pull from everything that all the good things everyone has done and kind of form it into, you know, the beautiful thing we have at, at the Bank of California. But affecting change is my understanding that that rising sun-esque flag is no longer in use. You guys have gotten a supporters group for another team to stop using that altogether. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, and shout out uh, the Timbers Army because, you know, they, they've been uh, a stronghold in, in football uh, supporter culture in the U.S. for a long time. And, you know, we, we all know about Portland. They're, they're very democratic. <laughs> but... You know, like it, it took some time. It's it's at first they weren't as receptive. They were just kind of like, "What? It is what it is." Like you know, our, our we have we don't have the same amount of raised as there is in the you know, rising sun flag. But you kind of have to you know overcome those obstacles and you know, like people aren't always going to be receptive to what you have to tell them. Sometimes you have to take it in multiple approaches, and if not, you you know you can fight about it, but. You know, we, we had to wait a whole year to get back out to Portland and we want to take care of it now. So we, we went ahead and made sure that we got the conversation going and we didn't we didn't stop bothering till them until, you know, it it was rectified. And they they were great. They, they were understanding of it at the end. And that's all we could ask for. You can't you can't ask for change and then still be pissed off because they took too long about it. <laughs> now, was that uh, that rising sun flag that that Sue uh, saw? Was that the first time that that had actually come up, or or had that been something that Timber's Army had had for a, a season or so? Way more than a season. I I forget what year it started. The sun flag is is it's a sentimental thing for them too. So you know, like they they don't understand what uh, I believe one of their capos or one of their leaders, uh, his kid had passed away. So. Uh, at a certain time of the match, they always sing "You Are My Sunshine," and during that, that flag usually goes up, or it goes up after goals. Um, so it's something that had been around for a while, and you know, I, I hadn't really been in MLS culture for very long until LAFC had come along. So yeah, we didn't know 
about it. There still are some other teams where you do see uh, the rising sun flag, and you know we're still trying to spot those out and start those conversations as well. I mean, sadly, in football, you do see racism. I mean, you still see Nazi salutes and swastikas and other horrible stuff that happens, particularly in Europe as well, too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being enactors of change in a way that's positive and socially progressive and moving towards these ideas of tolerance is something that, frankly, the football world has not seen in other countries and something that LAFC has become certainly vocal about, passionate about from a 3252 standpoint. And Tigers, and I think specifically with that movement, sort of became a launching pad, obviously, with the goal kick chant and then the rising sun flag. And now we've seen a number of social justice campaigns that have transpired since then as well, too. So, Christian, uh, I feel sorry. I feel like we've left you out here for a minute. So why don't you describe sort of your early involvement with TSG? You mentioned you joined uh, for the trip to Avaya Stadium last year and how that became something that grew into the role where you're now the community service chair. Well, I think for a long time, I already knew that's, uh, you know, K-Town has a, a very special place in my heart. Plus, I already I already knew Sue. Um, I really respect her and, and the way that she handles herself. And then just getting to know uh, the rest of the leaders, whether it was through listening through the FCSC episodes and just knowing that there's a lot of things that align, even though we might not, you know, even though I'm Mexican and they're Korean, there's so many other things that align, whether it's the music or just the way that they... They handle themselves and just getting to know them better. I think in San Jose, uh, we rode the same bus. Uh, we spent a lot of time together and uh, Sam and I had a really good conversation. And at that point, uh, we just decided, hey, man, you know, let's, let's let's stop playing around, make it official, you know. And and for me, the reason I was holding back a little bit before on, on making it official with a supporter group is that as a parent and, and through a lot of work, I knew that if I was when I joined an SG, if it, there's going to be a lot of commitment into it. I didn't want to just show up to the games and, you know, disappear. I definitely wanted to contribute. And, um, you know, and the conversation that Sam and I had, I think uh, it uh, that and just the character of everybody else in the group, our group, when, uh, when I joined, uh, I think we were somewhere north of 50-something members. And for me, that was a great thing because it allowed me to know, get to know everyone um, and it was also just being part of the building process, because even though it was, I believe, the second season, it was still the building stages. And, and I really wanted to be part of that. And um, and I think it was just a perfect fit um, with regards to how I ended up being uh, the, the community service chair. I think I, I think we should ask Sam on that. Um, I always knew I wanted to participate, but um, I think I'm very blessed to have that opportunity to do it as, as fast as I, I'm able to do it now. Um, yeah, and Christian, the way I actually was introduced to Christian was when uh, the 3252 elections were going on last season. And he had come in and, you know, he was like still an independent supporter, but he was part of the 3252. He heard about the elections and he had come in to um, put himself into the running to be the community service chair of 3252. I think there were other people that were independent supporters that came in that that tried to be part of a position or whatever. But, you know, the way Christian carried himself and the, you know, the heart he had for the community, you could tell from that speech. And from there, we just kind of built our friendship. And, you know, finally, you kind of saw, you know, him come in 
And Christian was great because he didn't just jump into the supporters group just because, like, oh, I like that logo or I like this or, you know, they have a cool scarf. Bro, you guys have some really cool scarves, though. Can we stop and talk (laughs) about that for a sec? I have it. I have have... it right here. Right here on deck, dude. This is the best one. Yeah. I mean, shout out our guy, David, man. So David has an interesting story, too. Like, he's a designer. He he works for PacSun, I believe. And he was more just helping us out with the design stuff, whether it was shirts or scarves. He had done everything. And then finally, when, you know, he started seeing his designs out and about in the North End and whatnot, like, he he started coming out. And it it was a slow process. For a lot of TSG members, we don't really, like, do the whole, like, hey, man, like, this is where it's at. Just come. Like, blah, blah, blah. It's, It's very just like, hey, this is what we have to offer. You want to be part of it? Let's roll, and we'll ride with you till the till the wheels fall off. But come kick it with us first, because you might not like us, and we might not like you. Is what, is what I always tell people. But yeah, I mean the the merchandise. You know, we're we're pretty competitive with it. Uh, Josh is actually in charge of the merchandise, and he's roommates with David. So whenever he sees another supporters group come out with some fire, you know, Josh gets a little spicy. <laughs> no pun intended. All the pun intended to try and acquire one of those season one scarves from you guys. That's uh, something that you know you never want to be disrespectful and go after another SG scarves. But that thing right there, you know, for all of you listening at home, that original black and gold with the tiger print and the flames coming off its scarf is one of my absolute favorite scarves from supporter culture, and one that is. Sadly, not in my triple-digit LAFC scarf collection at this moment. I think so. we're going to have to do a little special little limited reprint on those two because I, I kind of want – because we had, like, a more yellow-colored one that was, like, a misprint, and, and I kind of want that one back. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you guys ever end up making some more of those, uh, let me know, and uh, we'll empty a couple bank accounts here and make that happen. Most so. definitely, brother. <laughs> so, a pretty nice one over your shoulder right there, Jonathan. Oh, bro, yeah. Well, this is uh, well from LAFC as well too. Um, yeah, that, that yeah. nice, beautiful. But that was the that was the collaborative effort, right? And that was actually something that I think, oh, actually, if I rem- if I remember correctly, that was the first time LAFC had ever done like a a collaborative or any team in the MLS had done a collaborative with the Korean culture, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's because uh, the MLS doesn't allow it, and uh, <laughs> 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 but uh, you know, uh, yeah, so. Actually, yeah, the guy Hogan is is a friend of mine from Korea. I believe he designs the kits for uh, Tegu Football Club out there, which is a, a team in the K League. But yeah, uh, it's, he's he's someone that that's big in the the football design and fashion uh, culture in Korea, and uh, also a friend friend of Ben Chi. So they were able to to collab and you know get that going and. I love it, but I, I hate the price points that it sells at in the HQ. <laughs> well, at least we get our, our thirty-two fifty-two discount on top of that. But what does it say again? Remind me. Do you remember what it says on it? Do I have to show Pull it to the Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got one side that looks like this. Uh, it's upside down, but I think that side says. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm just having a day today. All right. Yeah. So Chunza is angel. And Toshi is city, so it's City of Angels. All right. This one has an L.A. on it, so I know I'm holding this part hey. up, right? Football club. 
So this has got to be then, I would assume, Los Angeles on the other yes, side. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not my episode, man. We don't normally release the video. I think we might have to do that for this episode. Yeah. <laughs> channel now, guys. Like, it's, uh, oh, honestly, man. I, and PodFam, like, thing, like, just in general, I feel like if there's any ever a time to start exploring, like, different avenues of media for us, like, as far as YouTube or Twitch or whatever, I say now is the time, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Try and spread your wings as far as you can and see what sticks. Yes, sir. You know, Um, we're trying to grow our fan base. I don't know if my ugly mug is really the best way to do that, but, you know, hey. I I went podcast because this is Radio Face all day. (laughs) Amen. Let's, uh, but let's get back to the uh, Christian story of becoming his role in um, community service coordinator. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, like I said, he came in for the 3252 thing, gave a speech, and you, you saw that he had a heart for the community. And, um, and it wasn't even, you know, it was Christian that worked to do what he wanted to do, to be a better part of the community and work with the community. He just kept doing it. So I was, you know... It, it only made sense to say, hey, man, like, we want you to lead this this part of what we do um, because you're already doing it. And and we are, we appreciated it and we needed him to be part of that because the, there are people that even if they want to do stuff in the community, they don't know how to take the first step to do it. And uh, luckily, Christian had been, you know, an advocate for, for the community prior to LAFC or TSG. So, Christian, you've been donned with the title of community service chair. Where do you want to take that? What would you like to see it do? How would you like to be that conduit for Tiger's energy to be out there in the community? Well, you know, first of all, my job is is pretty simple because not only do I enjoy doing that, but I think in our group, everyone always raises their hands. So it's always uh, so that that makes my job a lot easier when it comes to that. I think a lot of the considering taking into consideration the calendar and everything that we have to do one of our main focuses is supporting the 3252 because throughout the year there's always things that come up and not only the 3252 as a whole but other SGs and so we don't want to overwhelm all of our members just constantly doing stuff but what I think we want to do is just focus on on providing some supporting our local uh, community where there's some many great organizations, which you guys are familiar with, Brzee and um, and KYCC. That's a, uh, um, and then there's also uh, I think Josh was also involved with uh, K Town for All. And I think the vision is to support, continue to support them even when there's non-3252 events going on because they need a lot of help. As a matter of fact, tomorrow we're going to be uh, uh, a lot of our members are going to be participating in their drop and go, uh, packaging groceries, delivering them. And it's something where, you know, they really need our support because the such great organizations that are out there doing this day in, day out. And I think uh, with my role, what I want to do is just kind of help bridge that gap because there's a lot of people that really want to get out there. They really want to support. And my job is not so much to tell them, hey, go and support this because I think that this type of work has to come from the art. It's something that they really want to have to do so they can really contribute and really enjoy it. And I think it's just creating that exposure and just saying, hey, you know, this organization is doing this today. Who is interested? And it never fails. Uh, we literally got confirmation on Monday that they were going to have this uh, drop and go on Friday. And uh, and we filled up the spots. 
within a couple of days. And these are, and it's going to be on a Friday. So these are people that are taking time out of their day to go spend the whole day packaging groceries, delivering them. And um, so what I really want to do is just continue to bridge that gap, but also um, work alongside a lot of the different uh, gifted and talented people in our group that want to contribute and have different talents and create something with that. So it's something that we really want to, there's a lot of great ideas for the year, but I think right now during this time, during the pandemic, is just supporting the community as a whole, but also supporting the local organizations that are already out there doing it day in, day out. You know, work didn't stop for them and actually doubled up. So we want to go and provide that support. And of course, support our 3252 organization that all the events that they have going on. So it's uh, it's definitely creating that balance where support the 3252, but also focus on our community. And there's there's a lot of opportunities. There's never a limit to the amount of opportunities that are out there because, uh, as you guys already know, interviewing some of these organizations, you know that they not only do gang prevention, they also provide resources, tutoring, mentoring, uh, providing meals. I mean, they're they're really providing a great service. So for us, we just want to come in and make sure that we create that exposure to our members so they can go ahead and, and, and support these organizations that they weren't, they might have not been aware of uh, that actually existed. Yeah, we had a couple great episodes with the YLP folks and the people down at the Brazil Foundation. Absolutely amazing work that they're doing for the community. Hats off to those people. And I saw on Tiger's Instagram that you guys we're involved in doing some food giveaways and stuff like that earlier on last week. Sounds like you guys are going to be back at it again with the folks at the Brazil Foundation. Go into exactly what you guys are doing with them during COVID. Well, uh, tomorrow's event is actually with Brazil. Uh, it's the drop and go. It's uh, we're having one tomorrow, and there's uh, it's not set in stone yet, but maybe by the time this airs, uh, there is there's a chance that it's going to be towards the end of the month. So for those that are interested, um, you can reach out. And what we're doing is just helping packaging uh, the groceries, picking up the groceries, packaging them, and then uh, joining the different routes and going and delivering these. And so if someone wanted to reach out to you, that would be at LAFC underscore TSG. Is there a better avenue that folks inspired by charitable efforts could reach out to you at? I think that would be the, the more adequate one. Um, I think that's that's the best way to reach out. And then um, that information will get over to me and then uh, and we can go ahead and do that. I, I guess at some point I'm going to have to create a, a different uh, Instagram handle because I definitely don't want my my work to to mix with with the charitable co uh, contribution. So I think the best way to go about it is to have it go directly to TSG. Perfect. So I highly encourage all of us, anyone out there in the community that wants to be involved in helping Brzee and the LAFC YLP folks out. And if you want to jump in with TSG and make sure that we're doing what we can for the community at LAFC underscore TSG. If memory serves correct, that's you guys on all your social media platforms, whether it's Instagram, Twitter and whatnot. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Well, boys, we sincerely appreciate you guys coming out and being part of the show today. What stuff does TSG have on its horizon? Where do we see you guys going in the post-COVID era? What would you like to see for TSG, 3252, LAFC? What are your aspirations and dreams for the supporters group, the 3252 Supporters Union, and the team as a whole? Christian? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think I'll, I'll let Slim touch on, on the TSG portion, but I think for me, I feel very blessed to be part of not just TSG, but also the 3252. I think we have a really great opportunity to 
continue to develop the foundation for supporter culture down the road. I think for me, one of the reasons that I decided to really even get involved is because I can really envision 25, 30 years down the road sitting in a seated section because I think I'm going to be told to be jumping for LA Football Club and sitting there with my wife and grandkids while my boys are out there in the North End doing their thing and, and then just really having a great time watching football. I think that as supporters, if we continue to contribute not only in consumption by you know spending a lot of money because I know that even though it's four dollar beer somehow I still end up spending a ton of money through through the shots but also providing that support at some point we can start demanding um, down the road to have not just a one bella to have you know top notch players at their prime um, and to have that type of quality league and have that great combination of great supporter culture and also having you know a very enviable league uh, throughout it. Cause I think if in this country, we can really do that. So that's what I really hope that down the road we can get there. And I think that if everyone contributes and everyone does their part, I think we can get there. And uh, yeah, as far as TSG goes, um, we just want to keep giving our all, whether it be in the community or in the stands um, to move forward with, with passion and respect to stay hungry, to, to be the best, um, and for the thirty-two fifty-two, it's it's all those supporters groups having that same heart to, to continue to drive the culture forward, to continue to be part of the community and better it. You know, we've done some amazing things in you know two years of of having a club and three years of not having one. It's great to see, like it's you know something that's you know if you want to talk about from the beginning like that's five plus years old it's still really just getting started you know and it and it transforms all the time it's it's different people from the same area but different walks of life all coming together and you know putting their heads together to see how we can get better at what we're doing i mean there's there's nothing greater than that we we get to you know we we have a, a second church you know we we yeah. have a community, you know, that people yearn for, you know, not many people can make a bunch of friends after 30 years old. You know what I mean? It's something we always hear about. And somehow all of us made like a thousand new friends in the past year. And that's a beautiful thing. You know, a question that had crossed my mind just at the moment was the Korean chant that the 3252 has implemented in the last year, you know, the first non-English Spanish chant to make it to the 3252, the first sort of third language to, to make itself present. Can you take us a little bit through the history behind that particular chant, the words, what they mean, and what you'd like to see from that going forward as far as, is it time for another Korean chant or should we spread the love around some other cultures here in L.A.? Yeah, so the history of the chant, actually, I mean, it's it's definitely something that's been around in football culture and South American culture for a long time, as far as the melody goes. But we actually got it from uh, Suwon FC in the K-League, who uh, have a very similar chant. And uh, our boy Sean, Parquita, Sean Chovia, Mr. Lechona himself, put it together, sent over the audio to us, and, you know, we sent it to our group. Then we started sending it out to the 3252. Simplicity? Am I saying that right? Why can't? Why does it sound so wrong? The simplicity of the song really made it so it would, you know, it was easy to learn and it carried on. But it says, which means, wherever you are, or even in my dreams, I'll follow you. Yeah, pretty much that's it. Yeah. Uh, and then some says, Yeah, wherever you go, 
Even if it's in my dreams, I'll follow you. Beautiful. Those are some beautiful words to it. So have you guys got any more uh, bangers lined up for us or what's uh, coming out? Is- Sean? Sean is definitely working. Our, right. Sean's our, our, our capo, our, our chant song leader. Um, he, you know, he sits in his car with his drum and just thinks of songs all day. <laughs> <laughs> or just bangs out Lachona over and yeah, over. I, honestly, all right, this is something you guys got to know about Sean. Sean doesn't even know Spanish. Yeah. He literally <laughs> just learns the songs to learn the songs. You know, I, I have to be honest, man. I mean, I do the same thing with the LAFC chants. You know, my Spanish is terrible. I mean, I'm trying to work on it, obviously, as a member of D9. I should be working a little harder, but I'm really trying to brush up on my Spanish. But many of the Spanish chants, it's literally just me and flashcards memorizing it. The Odorado, Comsogirado, that whole Korean chant as well, too. I mean, I, I memorized those words and today, you know, really found out what they mean. Um, so, you know, I mean, kind of the same thing as well, too. So I, I, I feel him in that regard you know but uh <laughs> yeah. i didn't even branch out into the pop music songs as well too you know i'm still trying to you know catch up on you know maybe some vicente fernandez and stuff like that so <laughs> hey, hey i i mean sean's kind of moving moving on to new countries right now i think he's learning some brazilian songs i was gonna so say he definitely met a brazilian chick like three months ago yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's it's actually i i got to listen to that chant it's, it's really great i can't wait for him to Put it out there. Yeah. Ah. So we've got some Portuguese coming. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, man. Uh, Fala Portuguese. Tudo bem. Tudo bem. All right, gentlemen. Well, once again, we really want to thank you for your time. Before we send you home today, we do have one last question. You may have seen this one coming. Uh, it's on every episode of every show. It's the title of our show. And gentlemen, it's what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you? Um, so Christian Ortiz, why don't we start with you, sir? And you tell us in your words, what does shoulder to shoulder mean to you, sir? I mean, shoulder to shoulder is, is pretty much what we see out there when we go to the tailgates. It doesn't matter with what SG you're with. It's it's all one big group of people that are, you know, giving themselves to actually go and contribute. And, and I just love the unity. I love the way that we all work together. I love the team. I love everything that we do. So I think just all of us together, shoulder to shoulder, what it means to me is just all of us working together for a greater good. And I think that that's really summarized by if, if you go start from the tailgate all the way to the 90 plus minute, it's all together compressed to me, that's shoulder to shoulder. Cause I think it, it all goes hand in hand. And, uh, and for me, that's, that's what I love the most about this club. And uh, I think I touched on it earlier. It's, it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's meeting the neighbors that have been next to you your whole life and, and being able to get to know those people. And, you know, and when you're shoulder to shoulder, it's you're you're together in the good and the bad. You know, if even if someone feels weak and they can't go on, if you're locked shoulder to shoulder, you can't fall. So you know, it's it's that unity that keeps us strong, strong when we're together. Well, gentlemen, thank you, thank you, thank you for coming. Uh, we're so happy to finally tell the Tiger story on the show. Again, for those of you who want to follow Tigers, it's at LAFC underscore TSG. You can reach out to us on all your social media platforms at, at LAFC S2S for our show. Thank you guys so much for coming on. We sincerely appreciate it. We know uh, times are a little crazy right now. Uh, one of these days, we hope to get you guys in studio or us in a backyard with you guys. But yes, again, sir. thank you for joining us. Hey, one last thing is uh, the blood drive. Uh, LAFC has a blood drive coming up on uh, May 28th. Uh, it's a Thursday, I believe, at the bank. You can go uh, onto the Red Cross's website and um, you can uh, sign up 
sign up that way and hopefully find one of the available uh, appointments. And you can also volunteer. If you're interested in volunteering, reach out to Alina Baruf at, uh, L- at LAFC Foundation. Yeah, maybe we got some phlebotomists out there we didn't even know, you know? Sorry, just, you don't get to use the word phlebotomist every day. That's one of my favorite <laughs> words. So. Mm-hmm. I'd throw that out there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, all right, guys. Oh, hey, thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll definitely be in touch soon. We'll see you guys soon, huh? Thank you, guys, man. We'll see you yeah. soon. Korean yeah. barbecue to come. On behalf of Chris, Christian, Wilton, and myself, gentlemen, we want to thank you so much for joining us today. With that, take us home, Sticks. Shoulder to shoulder. Together, this our culture. Feel the force of a supernova. Stay flying that FC dorsum. Hey, shopping down to Nikki's, Koreatown Liddy. Cape us so mommy, about to drop her fifth. They won't need to stop, but I ain't. Come to my house, I'll defend that bitch.